0: welcome to the hands-on business podcast welcome back to our regular listeners and if this is your first time that you're listening then where on earth have you been you're in for a real treat today before i start just want to remind everybody that if you like what you hear share the love and please rate the podcast with the link i'll put in the podcast description below and if you don't enjoy it keep it to yourself so today's podcast guest is tad thornton who is an award-winning coach, best-selling author, international speaker, uh, won a variety of awards in 2018. She was named the UK's best female coach and one of the most inspirational business women in the UK. In 2020, Female Business Professional of the Year for Central England, and in 2021, Personal Empowerment Specialist of the Year. Now, she's won variety <laughs> of awards and many more than that but I could be here all day if I go through all of her awards but we'll I'm sure get into that as we uh, go through the podcast. Now Taz has spoken across the world on some of the biggest stages with household brands and four household brands. She's coached two BBC Dragons, she's co- uh, coached actors, politicians, military tacticians going from the Royal Navy, Army, Air Force and Special Forces. So Taz is living proof that it's entirely possible to turn our lives around and create the future that we want to live. Having escaped abuse, broken her back in a suicide attempt and climbed her way back through depression and breakdown. That breakdown was Tassie's breakthrough and the Pink Powerhouse now uses her skills and experiences to inspire and motivate people throughout the year. Throughout the year? Throughout the world, even. (laughs) Um, And I think, actually, she's been called the Tony Robbins with pink hair. Now, the question is, is she the Tony Robbins with pink hair or is Tony Robbins the Tav Thornton without pink hair? Not sure. (laughs) We'll find out uh, later. So welcome, Tav.
1: Thank you. What a brilliant intro that was. Thank you very
0: much. My pleasure. So uh, I've called the podcast today Unleashing Your Awesome, as this is one of the many things that Tav does with her empowerment seminar. So we're going to get into that as we go through. So An absolutely fascinating background. I know my listeners are going to be really interested to delve a bit further into that. Tell me a bit more about your story and the journey that's taking you from where you were to where you are now.
1: Oh, crikey. Well, it's such a long one. I'll try and do a potted history. (laughs) So um, I've made no secret of the fact that in my past is depression, burnout, breakdown, uh, suicidal, uh, well, aims. Um, Luckily, obviously, I wasn't successful. Actually, I consider that my greatest failure and my greatest success at the same time, trying to check out and not doing it. That was the best thing I ever did, the not succeeding. So, you know, we we beat ourselves up so much about the things that we feel we haven't succeeded in, but I really high five myself about not succeeding in that one all the time. Um, so I started out, once I left school, going into journalism. I went into my regional newspaper group when I was at the tender age of 16, my goodness and wow. trained on the job. From there, made it to news editor and then kept getting promoted. I, I was uh, headhunted for, um, to, to run the marketing department for a for college. And then from there decided I hated PR and marketing. So went back into <laughs> newspapers, then got headhunted for another marketing job. So I thought, I'll have another go. And then um, ended up in business to business publishing and that all carried on. And that was great promotion, promotion, promotion. And on the outside, everything looked wonderful. But what people didn't see is I was absolutely hiding behind those pinstripes. I was crumbling behind the designer gear and just putting a brave face on things. Um, I hadn't told anybody about, about the abuse I'd escaped. I hadn't told anybody about the, um, the, the times where I'd, I'd wanted to check out and tried. Um, I hadn't told anybody about the desperately low moods I was going through, which of course, because of my path and because of the way neural pathways work, I could and still can go from I'm a bit down to I want to die like that. And I think this is I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but I think this is such an important point because so many people think that they are still in that um, suicidal ideation mode. When, in fact, your brain has just learned that, oh, you're a bit down. Right. We'll take to this place. Then it's just we've built really powerful, really fast. Massive motorway style auto bar neural pathways in our brain. So once we've been to that low point, if we're not actively doing work to put in some roadblocks, when we get a little bit down, we can very quickly go there. It's like building any neural pathway. So just if anyone is listening and has been to that low place and wonders why they keep going there, it doesn't mean you're still there. It means our brains are really, really sophisticated and we have trained it to take us there quickly. So we need to sit and put in some roadblocks, which, of of course, is where so much of the work that I do today comes in. So from all of those things, I ended up as UK director of, director, what's a director? UK director of one of the, not the UK, the world's biggest multinational publishing companies. And again, on paper, everything looked brilliant. The designer gear, the fast car, the big holidays, the jet step lifestyle. But I was absolutely dying. I, I knew that I wasn't fulfilling my soul mission, if you like. And it took a full on breakdown and complete emotional unraveling for me to realize that. So that took me to 2006. And in that year, my uncle died, my dad died. A load of family debt came to light we didn't know about. So my financial future, as I thought it was, was literally ripped out underneath. Um, I'm an only child. I was trying to look after my mum and make sure that she was OK. Um, in that same period of time, I went away for business one night. and That night we went away. My parents' outbuildings and not the house, thankfully, but the outbuildings were broken into. Hello, Gil, I'll have a bit of that. Um, what else happened? In the same six-week period, my partner was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and then made redundant. And at the end of that period, when I found myself rocking and crying and trying to hide under my mum's dining room table, I recognized something had to give and it couldn't keep being me. And so from there on, I started to build this plan and I still carried on in the corporate world for another four years after that. But during that time, I was doing my damnedest to train, to train, to learn. To use my own experiences to help other people, and I knew I needed an extra set of skills for that. So, I'd got all the kind of robust managerial skills, people management, conflict management. I'd always been interested in all things spiritual. So, I'd spent a decade or so learning from shamans and medicine people and traditional soul doctors. I trained in Reiki and some of the stuff on the more hippie shit side of the scale. Um, I trained in neurolinguistic programming, I did a bit of training in coaching, I trained with the same guys that trained Tony Robbins to their extreme empowerment, so fire walking, glass walking, breaking arrows and steel bars with your throat, things like that and by the time I left in 2010 I'd got all this experience and a shed load of skills and that's where it all started and when I first left I worked alongside my wife, Asher in re- reinventing her business into a full-on um, PR and digital marketing um, and social media agency with the aim that I would step out when I developed and created enough of my own clients on the coaching and consultancy side. That happened about five years earlier than we thought it would. And interestingly, if I look back now, so much has changed. I mean, asher has gone now into the coaching sphere as well. So she's now a content coach, right, teaching people how to do it themselves rather than having to deal with lots of, um, as we used to affectionately refer to them, ask holes. So people who would <laughs> call in the professional, ask them how to do it, get all the advice, and then undo it all and try to blame you when things didn't go their way. Yeah. Um, they weren't all like that, but there were a few. So if I look back, you know, we we've both completely changed the way we do business. We've both gone into the coaching sphere, and I couldn't be happier now. I'm doing absolutely what my soul wanted me to do all along. So... All those bumps in the roads, I'm immensely grateful for because from every one of those came a really beautiful and robust set of teachings that I can now use to help other people with. That was like for a nutshell.
0: That is absolutely fantastic. And there's there's loads (laughs) to get into into there because what I take out of that is obviously nobody is suggesting that you need to get into an abusive relationship or have suicidal thoughts. But what you're saying is actually out of any situation, you can take the best or the learning points, and then flip that on its head and use that to help other people. I think that's what what I get from that. And then you mentioned there about your soul mission. So what just explain to me, what is your soul mission?
1: Soul mission. Oh, to, to put it in its simplest form, although it sounds too simplistic, it's to inspire and motivate, and I can't empower other people. I can help them to step into their own power. So when I use the word powerful, I drop a hyphen in the middle, powerful, filled with power rather than the traditional powerful, which we see as, as, which is is usually about having power over people. So it's about helping people to be powerful, to step into their potential. And we all have such such an amazing, awesome well of potential inside every one of us. But we don't always know how to tap into it. That's where the unleash your awesome comes from. So for me, and you touched on it beautifully just then, instead of saying why has life done this to me we need to flip that and say okay why has life done this for me what can i learn from it what can i take from it how can i grow from it and the second we flip our negatives in that way then all the shit that's hit a proverbial fan starts creating diamonds because then we can take our power back and we can change things we cannot change our lives until we are absolutely willing to take full ownership of everything within them and so many people buck against that but all the time we're blaming somebody else that we're blaming our parents our grandparents global warming brexit boris johnson's hair whatever we're <laughs> blaming in the current moment if it's somebody else's fault we can't do anything about it can we if where if we say you know what that was really unfair however i accept that when i came into this world there was no Magical beings stand, standing at the end of, of of the bed with a certificate saying "Welcome to life. It's going to be fair. Here's your here's your certificate." Life isn't fair, but it's our life, and until we own it and go, that feels like another shitstorm, and I'm not happy with it. But it's my shitstorm, and I can learn and grow from it. That's where the magic is. So we've got to stop blaming. We've got to take ownership, even for the bits we really don't want to take ownership of. Was it my fault I went through abuse? Well, no, of course not. Was it my choice to stay there for as long as I did? Yeah. Was it my choice to move in with the person who ended up being an abuser? Yes. Was it my choice to date them in the first place? Yes. Blah, 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 blah. So there is some ownership for me in there. But all the time I'm going, oh, no, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. Can't change anything. So it's it's not about... Sometimes when I start trying to explain this, There are a brigade of people who start throwing the that's victim blaming. No, it isn't. It's about looking at life in a different way. We only apply the word victim usually after abuse and cancer. You know, so first we need to stop identifying as a victim, because when we identify as a victim of something, it holds us in the energy of that one thing. You know, what are some of the more minor things we've we've dealt with? Have, have you ever had an upset stomach? Have you ever had flu? Have you ever been through and survived COVID? You know, do you call yourself a an upset a stomach flu survivor or a victim? No, it happens. And survivor is the other word. And you know, big up Destiny's Child, great. But <laughs> I think we need to stop calling ourselves survivors of something as well, because that also holds us in the energy of what happened. I'm not a victim of domestic abuse. I'm not a survivor of domestic abuse. I'm just someone who happens to have been through those things. It's part of my tapestry. And if I start identifying as that, it holds me into that. So I choose to see it as part of the the rich tapestry, part of the map, part of the the web that has brought me to where I am today, which has given me a shed loads of of experience and tools that I can pluck out and use when I think that might help other people. But I'm not going to identify as that because I'm much more than that, and for anyone listening, this is not to belittle what you've been through, believe me, it really isn't, but please start recognizing that there is far more to you than where you have been, where are you going, what do you want to do, what do you, all those experiences you've had, what do you want to use them for, do you want to sit and keep continually falling down that rabbit hole of victimhood, or do you want to reclaim your power and go, you know what, I'm going to use this I'm going to use this to further myself, to maybe help inspire other people, but I'm going to use it for something positive. That's. Well, I, th- I think that's
0: a really uh, powerful message uh, to use you, your phrase, but because it's about being future-focused, isn't it? And if and you're yeah. an interested, can I speak to my children all the time? Putting <laughs> a bit thicker because they're only about thirteen and eleven. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I speak to them all the time about you can't you can't necessarily affect the situation as it is but you can affect the way you respond to the situation. That's completely within your power. If you want to be in a good mood or a bad mood because of that situation, that's down to you. It's not down to anyone else. Uh, And you can get up and say, right, this has happened. I'm going to do this. And you're happy. Or you can decide, "As my son loves to, oh, well, it's not fair. That's not happy. I'm not happy about "Well, But you're only affecting yourself. You're not affecting anybody else. Uh, So it's within your power. It's within your gift to decide what your future looks like. You can uh, choose
1: it? to look at the manure or you can choose to look at the flowers growing out of it. It doesn't mean you're ignoring the manure, yeah. but where you put your attention is up to you.
0: Yeah, no, it, it, it is. So, so the people that come to you, what would they typically uh, come to you with or presenting with in terms of, that? have I need help with X? What would they come to you?
1: Wow, well, that's, that's a really wide scale. In terms of one-to-one coaching, I tend to work an awful lot with other coaches um consultants trainers because a lot of the work that i do has to do with personal brand and visibility which for me ties right back into all of that because so much of it has to do with your story and using it in a positive way but i also run spiritual empowerment programs so you know people will come onto that with everything from i've i've lost who i am i don't know who i am or i need to gain more confidence or I've just come out of a relationship or I just know there's more to life and I've got this yearning and I don't know what it is, but I know there's something and can you help me find that? Sometimes it's that. Um, if I'm doing speaking gigs for some of the bigger corporates, it can be empower my team to help them get through that glass ceiling, realise how much they can achieve, see where they're blocked and be able to smash through it. Goodness me, all kinds of things. And and every now and then I'll work with um, a charity or with a local authority to work specifically with people who've been through domestic abuse as well. Because as as one local authority once put it to me, they have a budget that allows them to put somebody on a waiting list for counseling or get them into a safe house. But they've got nothing to show them their worth and get them back into being an active member of society who understands that they have a place in this world. And so many people don't know that. So many people think they're insignificant. I know. So if you get an old fashioned clockwork watch and you take that to pieces and spread all the pieces out, if you remove the tiniest cog and put it back together again, that watch isn't going to work. So it doesn't matter how small, how insignificant you think you are. You are part of the greater mechanism and you're here for a reason and you need to stay because the world needs you and you will have. A powerful, positive impact on somebody else and. The beauty of that, of course, is that very often when we're impacting someone, when we're leaving a mark on on somebody's life, we won't know about it. You know, we, talk, we get so hung up on legacy and the legacy we want to leave. But I think the most beautiful legacy for most of us is the legacy we can't see, because we don't know how much we've impacted a client or someone who's seen us speak or someone who's read a book or somebody we've just talked to in a queue somewhere. We don't know what they're going to pass on to their kids. And they kids, kids, and their kids, 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 kids. You know, the, the positive actions we take in this life can be impacting generations to come. And we'll never know about that. And that doesn't matter. We just need to do our best to live the best that way that we can and to trust.
0: It's a really interesting point because I was at comment. Someone posted on LinkedIn today about, oh, well, what impacts, or what would you like people to say about you? Um and I've, I'm not sure that's the right question because it's like if you're focusing on what other people are going to say about you you're not being genuine you're not being yourself are you you're, well, it takes you into your
1: ego doesn't it yeah if you're careful you're, yeah.
0: Almost, you're almost living your life for somebody else and, and social media obviously <laughs> drives people in that direction Yeah. because uh, for be. me like I, 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 I don't think about what people are going to say about me I, I, I generally think about well am I doing a good job for my kids is my first and foremost yeah. thing and i and, and in my mind it's well if my kids say about me what i think about my dad then i think i've done a good job but that's about me being genuine to who i believe i am and yeah. actually living that life which is hopefully a good life for me a good life for my family rather than being driven by well what people are going to say about me at work and what people are going to because i think if you've just said that if, if you have a a an idea about what you're trying to bring forth into the world that automatically generates um, a well being or a sense with other people that you don't know about, but it doesn't matter. Absolutely. It doesn't if really you matter. Are, that you don't if know you're about. living
1: your life day by day in the hope that when you're gone, there'll be a blue plaque on the side of your house, you've probably got the wrong intention or not the one that's going to serve the world at large. So yeah. we've got to watch that that line as well between ego and arrogance. You, you, you can have, it's entirely possible to be to be 100% confident without being arrogant, just as it's entirely possible to have pride in what you've achieved and in what you'd like to achieve without being an ego. And yeah. I think we confuse those too much. They're all these, you know, pride comes before a fault. No, there's nothing wrong with being proud of your achievements. We need to be proud of our achievements more. We just need to not become arrogant about it. We can be confident in, in our ability, in the... strides that we're taking to to leave a positive mark but that doesn't mean we need to tip into to ego and arrogance so I think it's about the balance and if I'm striving if I'm too busy thinking about what's going to be on my headstone if I even have one or whether there's going to be a giant gilded memorial in my name I'm not focusing on the people I want to help on the way and that's more important to me than a glitzy statue yeah
0: no and I I think that uh, actually I was going to say most successful people feel like that or think like that but that's not actually true depending on how mm-hmm. you define success of course completely um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah so yeah so just just talk to me a bit more about um the award because obviously I follow you in my, on LinkedIn I see a lot of your posts you're not a person who courts um fame and fortune and all that sort of glitzy stuff but it comes to you because of what you put out so yeah. just talk to me about yeah, those awards because they are they are vast there are hundreds of them so how <laughs> how how, did that, how does that come to you what what, what is it that you've okay. done that people have seen that then you know they're, they're throwing awards at you
1: well just to go back to your other point i kind of do court fame a little bit but there's a reason <laughs> for that and and again this comes back to the visibility and personal brand work i'm naturally quite an introvert i've i have chosen to train myself to appear to be more extroverted And, you know, remember, I used to be a journalist, so I was the one behind the scenes doing the writing. So at first it was really uncomfortable for me to be on the opposite side of the pen or the opposite side of the camera. Now things have moved on in in terms of of media. But if I want to be able to, if, if I feel my sole mission is to help inspire, motivate, empower, help other people to empower themselves as many as I can in this lifetime, I can't do that if I'm not visible can't be a secret and a success in air quotes at the same time i cannot help people if they don't know i exist so part of being able to support more people has to be becoming more visible which has to include courting for want of a better word a little bit of fame so my pr game it's there because but it's not about me and this is where people get caught it's why people don't show up enough because they're scared of people saying they're an ego but you can't help those people you want to help if they can't see you. So that has to become part of it. So, so the speaking, the TV gigs, the radio, the, the celeb interviews, it's all part of getting me to a point where anyone who might need a good tazzing can go, that's the that's the one who can help me. And in terms of the awards, the, the first big one there was, as you pointed out at the start, was, was the best coach in 2018. And I didn't actually know about that what happened was my wife in secret started to get in touch with a load of my coaching clients and they all submitted this great big, I don't know how big it was, but this dossier of um, testimonials and recommendations and they put in the entry and I knew nothing about it until I got this note to say I was a finalist. And I was like, what, <laughs> what, but there's thousands of coaches in the What? And that's how it started. Um, and I was, I was absolutely blown away when that happened. I, I genuinely didn't expect it. And the thing with awards is I think once you've got one, they start to snowball a little bit. <laughs> so, there are the awards that my wife is with her, with, her, with her content coaching hat on. She's also in, in, responsible for of my internal public relations, if you like. So awards entries, bios, for speaking gigs, things like that. Asher handles that then i've got an, an external pr who does all the media and because Asher hated doing it so <laughs> so sometimes they will just be tried away and between them go oh, there's an award there she we stick taz in for it yeah yeah let's do it. And i nine times out of ten i won't know about it or sometimes it will be one of those recognition awards where nobody will have submitted anything i'll just get this this notification from an awards organizer saying We've looked at the stuff that you're doing, we've looked at your recommendations, we've spoken to some of your clients, and we'd be we're delighted to announce that we've awarded you this. and I go, "Oh, and every time you could not be down with the feather. you'd think I'd be used to it by now, but every time I go, "What well, me, really?" and that's that's how it happens, so the i'm I'm so in awe and utterly grateful and and there's a massive dose of humility that the people I've been able to support or just move in some way have felt so passionately about that that they've then wanted to give some recognition back and yeah that's still that still astonishes me a little bit now
0: oh but I mean and and it's not a surprise to me I mean I don't know you that well but I've I've obviously been uh, contacting you on LinkedIn looking at what you're posting and so, so it's definitely not a surprise because I can see the quality of the information you put out it's not you don't put mm-hmm. out posts which are just like you know two two sentences just to get noticed and actually yeah. quality content which actually are helping people and actually wave inviting people to be better which I think yeah. is uh the important thing I like your face <laughs> uh you're giving people a good tazzing uh so when you're giving people a good tazzing what if somebody not what would you like them to say what have they said about you then in those those awards because i I find that interesting because i know what i think but it'd be interesting to know what your coaching clients have said in those award in those awards and and when you've won those awards
1: the most common word is transformational and a lot of them have said that i've utterly changed their lives and I would dispute that, actually. I think they've changed their lives. I might have opened the doors and given them a little shove or pointed and said, look at that over there. Mm. They've changed their lives. So uh, at best, I'm an enabler for that change, if you like. Um, so transformational, life-changing, they are the most, they're the most common to the, that come up.
0: And, and, and do you have a process, or is it dependent on the individual or the group Or do you you have a like, well, I know I'm going to do these things and obviously I flex that depending on who I'm speaking to.
1: No, I am the absolute anti-process. I cannot abide (laughs) off the shelf coaching processes. There are so many. Oh, God, I wish I could get all the coaching training providers in a big sack and just give them a shake up because people don't fit always into a process. And for me, if you've got enough of, of uh, enough life experience and enough of that training and the tools in your kit bag, rather than trying to squeeze somebody into a process, it needs to be, what does this person need? Where, where do I need to meet this person? Where are they? What do they need? What's their potential? Where do they want to get to? How do I get them to there? In the same way that... Um, to nick a phrase that uh, that Rich Litvin sometimes uses, it's it's not about horizontal coaching, i.e., taking people from A to B. It's about vertical coaching. Because if, if somebody comes to me saying, I want to get to this, I won't coach somebody just to get to this. It will always okay. Well, when you get to that level, the trouble is right now you can only see to that. What's beyond there? And right now you can't see it, but I might be able to see help you see beyond that point so it's more of a vertical model Um, the closest I get to any process I think is when we have I have a 13-month spiritual empowerment program called the big one which is five weekends over a 13-month period Um, and on each of the weekends we cover a different direction or um, element so the first one is kind of gathering of the tribe cementing the group and then we work around the the medicine wheel so we do east and then west and then south and then north And we always follow that pattern but the teachings are always different according to what the group needs on the Easter weekend which carries the element of fire we always do a fire walk but aside from that everyone is different it's completely dynamic training depending on what's going on in the world at the time where the group happens to be what people need drives the way I coach Train and mentor, and that for me is the way it needs to be. Not a prescriptive. This is what we're following.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I remember when I went on um, first coaching course, and I was a regional manager, and you did the basically what we'd call a shit sandwich.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and then you'd be like, hmm, I'm not too sure." Even when I was very young, I thinking, "Does this really work? Because do they know? Am I giving conflicting messages? Because I'm telling them something positive, then I'm giving them feedback, and then I'm yeah. telling something positive again. Do they know that I'm?" Giving them constructive feedback, etc. So, so yeah. I think I think you are one hundred percent right in, in terms of. Shit, more... shit
1: sandwich is one of the most outdated yes. training, and it's still being taught. Yes, you're not going to make somebody feel good by sandwiching a load of shit in, <laughs> in the middle of a couple of positives. Yeah. It's just, it's... Oh. It, 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 it
0: doesn't make sense, does it? And it, and it's, no. it, it, it is, uh, and it's interesting because the other question I wanted to ask you was about the evolution of coaching because when i was younger i would have said that lots of business people top business people have always had coaches i've noticed but at lower down people oh no i don't want coaching no oh, I, do, I don't need coaching i know what i'm doing yeah. whereas i've yeah. seen definitely the proliferation of, of coaches and some are good some not so good uh yeah. over the last few years have you, have you, what's the evolution of that coaching over say the past 10 years or whether has that changed at all
1: I think so. Um, I mean, when I first went into coaching for about the first probably three or four years, I did everything I possibly could to avoid calling myself a coach. I called myself a guide, a mentor, which of course isn't strictly the same as a coach. For me, the two can flex together quite beautifully, but not the same thing. I called myself everything a consultant, trainer, everything I could. And it was because I was doing a lot of networking at the time. And this is such a broad brush. To, to, to cast but he cast a broad brush anyway you know what I mean <laughs> I saw so many people turning up to these networking events who were calling themselves coaches and they clearly weren't making the success of anything and they'd turn up until their I don't know 30-day membership or whatever it was ran out and then they would just disappear yeah. and I was getting all these horror stories from people saying they just paid thousands of pounds up front to a coach and then they did nothing for them and they couldn't get the money back so I think I I liked the, I looked at everything that I felt was going wrong and decided to do it differently. I never had an upfront massive fee. Everything for me went onto a monthly retainer. So that kept it more affordable for people. And of course, my fees have grown
0: yeah. as
1: as my reputation has grown, as my skill set has grown. Um and, and all that's done is that the more I move up a fee bracket, it opens up another bracket for somebody who's still on the way up. So yeah. there's enough for everyone. Um And I think I was one of the first coaches I knew of to do that because there was such a big buzz, you know, thousands of pounds, swipe your credit card. Can you not? Can you afford not to do it? (laughs) No, sod off. I don't want to remortgage my house or get another credit card to pay for you. So I started this monthly retainer and we have a minimum of six months and it just keeps rolling on until one or both parties have an open and honest about. I think we've come to the end of the road or we need to pause for now. And that's that's all all great. Um, so I think that's changed I've seen more people moving towards that kind of model probably because I've coached them to do that um, more, there's definitely more of a, an awareness of coaching as well again I think when I was first coming into the field when I first heard of coaches in the, in, in the UK and people were calling themselves life coaches it's like what is that what is that what do you mean you're going to coach me how to live I genuinely was confused is that like, what you're going to teach me how to brush my teeth how to do my washing have to peel a potato you know i know how to live so what is it so i'm always saying that to people for god's sake don't call yourself a life coach yep. there's one of my old videos somewhere where i say life coach and every time i watch it I go, oh god i refuse to allow myself to delete it because it was a learning curve so i think there's more there's, there's much more an awareness of coaching now unfortunately as coaching has exploded it's got to be one of the most saturated professions now because there's such a low bar to entry and that is both brilliant and ridiculously dangerous at the same time. I don't think you can judge a good coach by their qualifications. In fact, if you look at all the pieces of paper with qualifications on that I've got, I think there's only one of them that says coach. And that was for, for a taster day years ago, you know, NLP, empowerment, shamanism, medicine, Yeah. Loads of stuff, but only one of them actually says coach. And some of the best coaches I've met, or I know of, don't have a coaching certificate. Some of the most abysmal, manipulative, horrid coaches I know of have coaching certificates coming out of their armpits. So I don't know how we start to really monitor this profession, because I don't think we can base it on qualifications. You know, Um, it's just not a true example it's, it's not a true uh, measure of what makes a good coach so I've seen more and more coaching training companies coming up that I believe to be absolute charlatans who will take thousands of pounds of people who are desperate to become a coach and promise to train them to be a coach and to give them all the marketing tools they need and the horror stories I've heard from trainers who say, just follow this blueprint and you'll be earning 4,000 pounds a month within the first six months. And it's absolute bullshit. Cards on the table, guys, if you're listening to build a decent profit with a coaching practice with any business, actually, it's going to take you ballpark three years. You might be able to do it in less, but you're talking ballpark three, sometimes four years. So if anybody is telling you to swipe your credit card and by following their rule book, you'll be earning, you know, four grand a month in the first X amount of months don't do it and you will have no recourse and I'm seeing people being burnt in the pocket and really left up shit creek a lot by that kind of outfit and that worries me I think that's one of the trends I've seen in in coaching that I just feel is absolutely abysmal and these people just I don't know how they can look themselves in the eye
0: yeah I've definitely seen virtually I'm not going to say virtually everyone but but the amount of people that are posting everywhere they're always coaches (laughs) and similar to yourself i've always whether it's coaching or anything else i've always i've always been very nervous of when someone's promising me that they can give me the magic bullet and it'll be be implemented and i'll be making loads and loads of cash in the next three to six months i always think six
1: or "Mm." seven figure income yeah not everybody wants a six or seven figure income You can. everybody can if they really want to but there's no magic bullet it takes hard work it takes effort it takes consistent showing up it takes knowing your stuff that's a given yeah and above all else it takes really genuinely caring you have to really really give a shit about the people you want to you want to support you've got to care about that the mission to help support inspire whatever it is for you has to be bigger than your idea of how many zeros you want on your bank account or sorry you can go home it's the wrong profession for you
0: yeah, no, I I, I I I've had this conversation so many times, even just from a managerial point of view, because in every, in every managerial role, if you're doing it right, there should be an element of coaching. I would hope. Yes. Whether I, whether you whether you're doing it or you're getting someone to support you, and I and I and I've said for years because you, you, what you talked about earlier about ego is so true, and I've seen so many managers who want to be managers because they want to control people, and I've always and I've always said well. if you're doing this job for any other reason that you want then you want to develop people and you like seeing people progress and that means that they will surpass you in a lot of times and they'll become your manager if you don't want to do that go and do something else because it's not it's not for you management in my opinion and i think in my humble opinion is not about controlling people it's not about being able to say oh look at the size of my team it should be about developing people and developing yourself at the same time and empowering people and yourself at the same so so on that note how do you I am sitting here thinking well I need a good coach Taz looks like a great coach how do you how do you define or choose a good coach when there is so many out there how do you cut through all the nonsense
1: I think the first thing is you need to have an understanding of what it is you want coaching for, because there are so many different specialists now. And okay, if you go and look at me on LinkedIn, which is where you and I first hooked up, it talks a lot about visibility and public speaking. Of course, I do so much more than that. But that's where people usually find me first. You've got to have a specialism, and then you've got to be able to walk your talk. You've got watch people. Are they actually walking the talk? So I don't know part of what I do in visibility is helping people with LinkedIn. I see so many people who are LinkedIn coaches who have no engagement in the, on their posts. And they'll all say, well, it's because it's, it's all about the clients. <laughs> no, or people who say they are business coaches when they've never run a business or be at being at a high level in a business. Mm. And they only business is running the coaching practice that isn't actually that successful. You know, if you want to have someone who is going to help you with money mindset, don't go to someone with holes in their shoes. You've got to, <laughs> watch do your research and ask for testimonials but be be careful there as well because there's also this branch of the the manipulative coaches will all have a tribe of acolytes who will tell you that if they bend over the sun shines brighter so do your research don't if somebody's just saying oh they're beautiful they're wonderful i love them you want more than that what specifically have they done What did you go to them for? How have they supported you? How are they available for you between sessions, if that's appropriate? You know? How do you can you bring anything to the table? What's their what's their coaching approach? What's the way they work with you on things? Because for me, I will flex. There are some people who effectively need a good kick. (laughs) But there are others who need more of an arm around the shoulder. There are some who will want more traditional coaching and that's something else to be aware of. Do you want do you actually want a mentor or do you want a traditional coach? So a coach, a traditional coach won't give you the answers. They will just help you to find the answers within yourself. I tend to blend between the two. If there's something where I've walked ahead on that path, I will help someone say, well, this is what I did but like there might be others where I know someone actually knows, but doesn't have the confidence to bring up their own suggestions. They'll coach them until that comes out. So track record, gut feel never, and uh, never, ever, ever choose a coach based on how much you can afford. Yeah. Don't ever go, well, that's the cheapest one. If there is a coach and you know in your gut that it's the right coach for you and they're already charging way more than you currently believe you can afford, then don't be afraid to drop them an email or a LinkedIn message or something that says, look, this is where I am. I would love to work with you. Do you have any any resources I might be able to tap, and tap into? My intention one day is to hire you, but right now I'm in build mode. Is there anything that you've got? Have you written any books? Are there any blogs you could point me to? Are there any lower cost online groups you could point me to, for instance? And for me, any coach worth the salt will reply to that. So I'm not cheap. I'm not at the top of the tree either. But I will always, if I can, if somebody is not in a position where, where they can afford me yet, I will always help them as much as I can to find some resources or to put them in the right direction for now. And I think that's important too. And that also will help you to recognize the difference between swipe your credit card here. I don't really give a shit about you, but I want your cash. Yeah. And I genuinely want to help you. And, of course, I'm not talking about the really, really bad, the the Tony Robbins and the Gary V's of the world who probably haven't got time to reply to all the thousands of messages they've got. But in that case, if it's a really big, mega, superstar business advisor, hit up their website, hit up their social channels, find the free stuff because they they will all have free and low-cost stuff that you can tap into if they're worth their salt. And remember also, follow their social channels because, again, if they really care, they will be giving good coaching advice out in those
0: posts yeah, no, they, I mean, and, and I think that that's that's good advice across the business world I think you know yeah. if someone if someone really cares and they've created a business correctly because they care about their customers, they tend to have a whole raft of if you just mentioned free stuff, paid stuff, cheaper stuff, more expensive yeah. high-end stuff you know that's yeah. just part of the business methodology, isn't it that you have that? that range and, and would hope so yeah and <laughs> if you've got a person who's just saying oh, actually well you can't afford me too bad they're probably not the right person for you so I've, and, uh-huh. I, and i think that what you said as well about walking the walk and track record because that, that's one of the reasons i got into consultancy in the first place because i found i'm like michael from a healthcare pharmaceutical background and i used to find you'd get these really high-end consultants come in they'd come in they'd charge you a lot of money they'll tell you all these things and i'd be thinking all right that that makes sense but how does it how's it practically going to be used in my business? And then before you could have a conversation had gone and they didn't really care yeah, what happened. happened yeah. They, yeah. They, you paid them and they, they moved on to another business and you're like, Oh, well, right. So I've got some nice glossy slides. What am I supposed to do with then? And I think coaching is, is the same. And I think what you said about people who've got, who've walked the walk, who've got a track record, who actually have resources that you can tap into. Um, it's it's integrity and very...
1: in heart isn't it yes. integrity and in heart and you yeah, can no. fake that for a while but also it's a bit like when somebody comes on a on a three-month probation period for a job you can fake it for the three months but you can't keep that going forever sooner or later that veneer is going to start scratching a little bit so no it, it, integrity it, it, heart and follow them for a while before you commit
0: yeah no i think that is very very sage advice so I, 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 i've got to get into the um as everyone's always obsessed with uh, celebrities so you've coached (laughs) such a variety of different people you've coached Uh you know military people you've coached uh, dragons you've coached um actors so tell me a bit more about that firstly how did you get into coaching those sort of people and then give me some obviously no names no pat drill Uh but some nice little stories about (laughs) confidentiality.
1: yeah um well if we look at um one of the dragons we coached way back in the tiger days before they were a dragon when their business okay. was still in build mode. And what I can tell you is that she is one of the most lovely down to earth compassionate people I've ever worked with. Her, but I'm not going to tell you who it was. No um, another dragon i Coach came to me through my spiritual empowerment program and worked with me for a few years there um, you know, a lot of the, the the armed forces and special forces people they've they've come in by the spiritual stuff as well. Okay. So you know that that's that's always a fascinating one for me because people start thinking about anything vaguely spiritual. I think oh woo woo you know <laughs> waft a few joss sticks and ting your tie bells as a certain guy always teases me about. Um, but actually, those programs have had people from from every branch of the military. everyone from scientists through to teachers through to uh, office workers through to business owners right through to yes people who are already in the the therapy sphere so that's brought all kinds in the other thing that's helped in terms of celebrity clients for me is way back in the day when when i first left corporate and came into running tiger alongside asher one of the things that gave me the confidence to leap was we created this digital magazine way back in the days when digital magazines were, oh, look, it's like Harry Potter. The pictures are moving on the pages when it was new and exciting. Um, And we launched a magazine called Tweeting Times, which was way back in the days when Twitter was still only 140 characters. And when it was used very differently to the way it is now. Twitter's still really powerful, by the way, guys. It's just the way you use it is different. And it was, when we launched that, remember all those years ago 2010 2011 and all the celebrity sleaze stories were coming up with all the people who'd had affairs and there was a big series of them and that was all going on and ash and i both had journalistic backgrounds and the third guy was both called phil croshaw who um from from experts group and geeky group we went wouldn't it be great if we were telling the real stories instead of just going full-on sleaze
0: yeah
1: and there were all these Twitter, Twitter, I think, was one of the first platforms that actually leveled the playing field between, in inverted commas, ordinary people and celebs. So we created this digital magazine and we started going, going to these celebs and saying, look, this is what we're doing. We want to cut all the sleaze out. We want to just tell the real stories behind the people on Twitter. Can we come and interview you? And, you know, we would turn up with a little, who remembers flip cams? <laughs> Would turn up with a little flip cam and a tripod and a great big hairy boom mic and a little tiny flip cam. And the amount of people who went for it, you know, we interviewed Stephen Fry, uh, Boy George, uh, Sam Fox, um, Gail Porter. Oh, God, loads, loads of people were really good. In fact, I can still credit to this day knowing how to interview someone properly in front of the camera to Esther Ranson. So we went to interview Esther Ranson. And she said, you know, can I give you some tips? In my days, we were trained to put the camera here and to sit the people That And she taught me how to interview people to camera while we were interviewing yeah. her. So the fact that that went so well, and we, we won awards for that as well, we were in, we were entered into the Suncom Digital Media Awards in the digital magazine category. And we were pipped to the post by Sky Magazine. Now, if you think that's Sky as in Sky TV, and we were... Creating this digital magazine from our spare room while I was still working full time. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll take that. But that's where the celebrity stuff started to come in because people already knew me uh-huh. from our tweeting times days. And we we ran that for a few editions until Phil went back into full time work and Ash went, we can keep doing this, which is nice to do. And at one point, well, at some point, we'll explode. We'd already got um, advertising for the likes of full networking and Cadbury's. Or we can concentrate on these new clients coming in that are bringing in money now we love that but we've got to pay our bills and phil was doing the sales and he's gone back into work so So we put it on ice but we never took it off ice but by the time that happened we'd got lots of celeb contacts so a lot of the coaching came through that
0: when it comes to the
1: tv people
0: so in terms of advice, so podcasting is one thing, interviewing yeah. is another, in terms of getting your name, it, would your advice be just ask? Yeah. Obviously, you have to have a decent product or a decent proposition. That you can go or with. a
1: decent, decent idea. So during yeah. the first lockdown, I did the Taz Talks mental health series where I interviewed again celebrities about their own brushes with mental health. And number one, that was because I I think when we see people that we see on TV or on movie screens or in magazines, we tend to put them onto a pedestal and assume their life is perfect. And we compare ourselves a lot. So part of my thought for that was, look, if I can show that the people whose lives we assume are perfect go through the crap as well, that gives us all some hope. The secondary point, of course, is I I need to keep building my brand so that I can help more people. And so the more I interview people with a following, the more some of their followers become my tribe and the word spreads. And with that one, you know, we ran the first series of that, I can't remember eight, nine interviews, something like that. We had a load of the cast from Holby city as it was with um, Chris Packham, Caprice. um, And that actually started because the last speaking gig I had before lockdown was was comparing an awards event and Caprice and I were speaking on the same stage. And there was one of those moments where we needed to fill time. And so Caprice had already spoken about some of her struggles with mental health. So I just went, I'll talk about the time where I tried to check out and then I'll talk about telling the world and what happened. And it was met with rapturous applause and so after that, I got chatting to Caprice and said, I've got this idea to do this series of videos with people in celeb- celebrity land who've been through tough times. Would you be up for it? And of course, she was like, yeah, yeah, of course. And then lockdown hit. So all that changed was that we were, I was going to go out with this, I, I bought all the new camera kits, to get it bigger than a flip cam. <laughs> and all that changed was that I persuaded people to do it via Zoom instead. And so, so again, the more you ask people, the more they'll they'll be willing the the crazy thing is not asking you know i've interviewed a lot of celebrities now in my time not only as a journalist but as a self-employed person as well and as a coach and i've never been asked to pay the worst somebody's going to say is no or just ignore you you have to recognize that um yes lives in the land of no to quote steve chandler one of my favorite um personal and business development authors And you've just got to keep asking. But if you've got, if you're genuine, if you've been there for a while, if you haven't popped up just to try and ask, if you're there all the time, you've built credible following and you have a good idea and you're brave enough to just go and say, this is what I want to do. Would you be up for it? You'll be surprised. And you only need a few. And then the ball starts to roll. So just ask people, ask and ask more than
0: once. Yeah, I think th- I think that's the key key to it, to a lot of, of things, isn't it? People give up very easily, and probably worse than that, they don't even start, so they don't have yeah. to give up. Because oh, they look they
1: at us and say, well, it's okay for you, because it's all right for you, Taz, because you've got all these celebrity contacts. <laughs> yeah. Well, how do you think I got them? <laughs> you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's about putting that work in, isn't it? So yeah. just on that point, because I remember you putting a post up, I can't remember, it, I think someone had put, put something up that you weren't quite happy about, uh, and you did a Surely video, not. yes, exactly. I know, hard, hard to believe. It was a great video, and you're basically saying, "Don't look at me because you think that you know I'm living in this ginormous house and I've got this massive car." So, what are the challenge? Because, because I think that is one of the biggest barriers to people starting anything. They look at people like you or other successful people and think, "Oh, well, she's always been successful. It's, it's easy for her." So, what are the challenges that you you face in your business that bring it to? to, to, to a, a reality that actually it's not all peaches and rosy for me either
1: um well i'm currently th- this is is my dining room just over there is my kitchen just beyond that door are three barking dogs that my wife is sitting with and trying to keep quiet because of course <laughs> you know since lockdown i changed the way of working so i used to go out and about and see my clients and um and now I'm working downstairs in my dining room. Why? Because our upstairs hof- office in the summer just gets too bloody hot. So I think people look at what I'm doing and assume I'm in a mansion. I currently live in a three bed semi, which was gonna be our transitionary house about 20 years ago. And every year we say, we'll move this year. And then we get to December and go, we haven't moved. And you know, so that, that's, that's, that's num- number one thing to remember. Why haven't we moved yet? Because I'm always blooming working. And just having the time to stop and do things. So, challenge number one when you love what you do, it's very, very easy to overwork. So, we say if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. That's true. But I've learned the hard way that you still have to make sure you take time out for you. So, I take Tuesdays or admin days, and the last week, the last working week of every month, I take off. And I chill as best I can. I catch up on stuff around the house, things like that. Um, what are the challenges? Um that's it really. I love what I'm doing. Time, I'd like to find a way to expand time. And I found some <laughs> ways to kind of I've found some ways to kind of slow down my perception of time and deal with it differently. Um, I outsource lots. That's that's massive. Um, next year I'm changing the way some of my working patterns. So what's traditionally been my my budget highly subsidized one-to-one coaching for for people who don't have the cash flow they need is is turning into a group program because i don't have the capacity to keep taking if you're just selling your time for money you're going to run out quickly yeah so that's something we, we need to be aware of but i think i think the biggest thing is perception again people see me and assume i live in a massive mansion and drive a roller i've got a mini on the drive I drive a Mini, which I'm probably going to have for another three years because it doesn't make financial sense for me to shop it in before then. I live in a three-bed semi. I'm happy. Could I move? Yeah, could move tomorrow if I put the time into doing it. <laughs> Stop. Don't make stories up about people. Don't assume that, you know, we've got it all together or that I never have enough day. Of course, I sometimes have really shitty days. I have duvet days like the rest of you. Yeah. The difference is that I choose not to stay there for as long. That's all it is. We're all, we're all in, we're all in the same world. We all have, and I know there's a lot of backlash against this particular statement I'm about to make, but we do all have the same 24 hours in terms of we have the same number of minutes every day. It's just that I use them differently. And sometimes I'm really switched on and use them wisely. And other times I think, oh my God, the day's gone and I haven't done half of the things I wanted to do. So Stop putting people on pedestals. Stop stop assuming that everybody has an easier ride of it than you, because we don't. We might have more tools than you because we've invested the time into developing them, but I'm not in the position that you perceive I'm in through sitting and moaning and looking at what everybody else has got. And the, the, the quick key one to this is if you're driving down the motorway, somebody drives past you at speed in let's say your dream car when you get to the point where you can go wow that's a sign that i can get it i wonder how they've done done that because that's another human being driving something i want so that means i can get it if you get to the point where you can do that instead of going wanker that's when you've cracked it
0: (laughs) i'm laughing because my poor kids get all my stuff when i come home but uh, because when i'm trying to get the study that I use that exact same story, not not in terms of because when I was younger, I was very lazy, still quite lazy actually. I are allowed to be when
1: we're younger, it's part of growing up. Yeah,
0: I, I describe it as being uh, very protective of my time, but, but yeah. I'm lazy. Um, and I never used to do any work at school until I was about 14 or 15. And I always used to look at everyone and think, oh, why are they getting 80% and I'm getting 30%? Because I'm a lazy git and I'm not doing any work. No. Yeah. And then at one point, I think I was about 14, and I thought, I'm sick of trying of to get anybody results read out and I'm really embarrassed. I thought, yeah. I wonder what happened if I actually start working because I thought they're human and I'm human. So if they can remember get 80 yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. percent, can why can't I get 80 percent if I do what they do? And it's exactly this, exactly as you said. It's, anytime I see success, I see that as an indicator that actually, well, if they can do it, why can't I do it? Because we're Anybody all vaguely the
1: same shape as you, i.e. human, has done what you want to do, it's possible. You know, yeah. you know what they say, where you're where you're born is not your fault, but where you end up is absolutely your fault. Definitely. And you <laughs> know, on on that note, my exam results from school were absolutely pants, a mixture of me being quite a sickly kid and I wasn't interested. Yeah I've got too much of my own stuff going on. But I've done all right, thanks very much, and I'm continuing to do all right, and you can too.
0: No, and, and, and I think that, that is a uh, and it's interesting, because when I was younger, because I'm, I, I come from Nigeria, Nigeria, basically, by the time, you, when you're three, you know which university you go into. It's, yeah. all, it's all like, <laughs> right? you do this, you do that, you do that. And, and uh, as I start getting on, I think, actually, if my children do something that they enjoy, you tend to be good at it and you yep. make a success of it. It's not about oh, I need to be a scientist, I need to be a doctor, I need to be X, Y, and Z, because your parents want you to be do- doing that. It's about actually finding something that you have a passion for. And I've been very fortunate, because I did have a passion, I did, and I, I still do have a passion for science, and I have a, a passion for talking. So going into medical sales was like... Yep perfect for me and I'm still in the healthcare space but to be honest my passion is sales and marketing so yeah. if you can find that and I know that when I went into it people would try to put me off my cousin who's a doctor oh Keen, you don't want to go into that bloody hell no one has any respect for salespeople. people I was thinking well I quite enjoy it so yeah. I'm going to do it and I've been fortunately moderately successful by doing it but, but as you said it's about doing something you love having a passion for that and you tend to be successful at it. And even if you're not successful as other people see it, you'll be successful in the way that you see it, and you'll enjoy it. And I think that's much more important than driving around with a massive car. And a massive people always say to me, "You going to extend your house. You've got lots of space there, haven't you?" I said, yeah. Well, why would I do that? Well, because you've yeah. got space. Yes. We had
1: that exact same conversation just this past weekend. But then I'd lose part of my garden, wouldn't I? Yeah. <laughs>
0: exactly and it's like well why do I need to and, and in my mind as well I said I keep saying when well, my kids are 13 and 11 so within five to ten years they're going to be moving out so I'm probably going to be trying to downsize so why would I want to start making a bigger house for five or six years of my life just because I want to keep up with the Joneses because everyone else yeah. is extending and it's like well I'm not interested I'm happy with what I've got um, people
1: put their own spin on success as well don't they and, you know if we're putting success on you know the big the big cars and the the big paycheck and the blah blah I've had all that and I wasn't happy you know it's only the past couple of years that I've looked at my income and thought that's now exceeded what I was earning at the top of corporate wow yeah. and that was a bit of an ooh oh oh moment you know <laughs> but that the, the things that we see as trappings of success there are so many of us who've had them and have not been happy with them whereas now when i've got those same trappings i'm much happier because if, it's not, it's not the trappings that matter; it's how we go about getting them.
0: I was just about to say, it's because of the wave, you've done it, isn't it? Because, yeah. in fact, when I was, I remember, I was it, it was nineteen ninety. I can't remember. It'd be nineteen ninety-six. Yes, yeah. and and I was in a training room, and they said, "What do you want to do? Where, where do you see yourself in twenty-five years?" <laughs> I, was, I was obviously a bit, of, a bit of a little git because I said, "Yeah, I want to be a managing director of a small to medium-sized pharma company." And actually, people were laughing oh bloody hell Akeem. I came but in my mind I'm thinking 25 years I'll be 50 well saying I want to be a regional manager is not very really aspirational um and actually that was always my aspiration until I got to be a sales director yeah and then I looked at the, the my managing director at the time and I thought I don't want to do that actually uh-huh. that is not what I want to do it, uh-huh. I had a sense of I want to be a manager director because that's the thing to do because that's the linear progression. And then I thought, well, no, I need to think about what is it that I actually want to do on a day-to-day basis. And doing all those budgets and going to corporate meetings and flying over here is not what I want to do. That doesn't make me happy. Working with people is what makes me happy. So let me go and do that. Absolutely.
1: You know, I got to that point where I thought that's where I wanted to go and then realised that I wasn't enjoying it when I was in the job. Yeah, It's that old analogy, isn't it? Of climbing the ladder for years only to realise it's up against the wrong wall.
0: But and, what we need it, to
1: remember is that we learn things on every rung
0: that yes. are
1: transferable.
0: And was it, interesting because I remember when I, when I left and set up my own business in 2010, everyone was going, oh, you're so brave. You're so brave. I said, no, I said, bravery is going into work to a job that you don't like every single day and doing something you don't like just for the money. I said, yeah. I'd rather have less money and do something that I love doing. I said, because otherwise, I said, how long were we here for? 70, 80, 90 years? I said, on your deathbed, are you ever, ever going to look back and think if only I'd spent another five days in that office or another minute in that office? No, because that's not what life is about, is it? Even though you spend a lot of time at work, it's not about, I am, this is my job title, which people obsess about. This is the company I work for, which people obsess about. This is the car I drive. It's like, there's more to life than that. That's no, that's not life. Right? Well, in my mind, that's not living.
1: You know, I remember my running a Make It Happen masterclass, a, a business show. It's got to be. It w- wouldn't have been long after I was self-employed, we self-employed because we. I was 2010 as well when I when I left. It was probably only in the first couple of years in, and I remember doing exactly that with people. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in 10 years? And a lady in that room had been in palliative care. And she said exactly that. There were all these suited and booted, shiny, God say predominantly fellas in there who were all playing the kind of pissing contest with one another. And then in this quiet voice from the end of the room, she just said, you know, I used to work in palliative care. And not once did anyone toward the end of life say, I wish I'd spent more time in the office. I wish I'd invested differently. I wish I'd opened up another office. They say things like, I wish I wish I'd kissed Mary Ellen. Yeah. You know, I wish I'd married the brother. I wish I'd spent more time with the kids. I wish I'd got outdoor been outdoors more. You know, that's we're not going to look back at the end of life and say, "I wish I'd been at the grindstone for longer." We're going to talk about the stuff that is less tangible than that, and that is not to say that earning money doesn't matter, because of course it does. We need to. And you know, I think people in our in our age group, I mean, I'm you know, I'm in that age where I haven't got a decent pension. You know, I'm I'm in that point where I'm thinking I've now got to do this, this, and this in order to make sure that we're secure yeah. when we get to that age. Because I think when we're at this age, we we don't know what's going to happen. We can't look at the way at the risk of I don't want to go political, but we can't look at the way government is going. I think that when we get old, there will be um there will still be structures to take care of us. So we do need to start paying attention and make sure that we are earning a decent whack. And we do need to recognize our work worth enough to charge our worth. And that's the worth of the work and the value that we bring because we are all as individuals priceless. Yes. But that shouldn't be the main driver. That's this is what I want to do. This is my soul mission. This is what's going to bring me joy. This is what I can do to bring the joy for other people. And this is how I can get richly rewarded for that whilst making sure that I have something for everyone. I'm ticking all those boxes. So there's nothing wrong with reaching for financial security, whatever that means for you. But don't make the numbers your number one priority. Don't chase the numbers, chase the joy and make sure that you switched on enough to get the numbers stacking up at the same time. What's that old phrase? Follow your heart, but take your head with you.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that, <laughs> I think that's so accurate because uh, when you, you were talking about famous people and when I was younger, I've never, I've never actually looked for role models outside of my close circle actually because I always think, well, I don't, why would I see a footballer as a role model because you've got to kick a football about, that doesn't tell me anything. But I was always struck by the amount of comedians who passed away who yeah. who were like, suicidal and you're like...
1: Desperately unhappy, yeah. but they're, but, they're,
0: but they've got all the money and they're really funny, but they're suicidal. So when I was very young, I, I was I was always looking thinking, so that fame and fortune doesn't guarantee anything, does it? It's yeah. it's actually being happy, which guarantees being happy, not searching for the next shiny object. I can tell you...
1: you that for a lot of the, a lot of the celebs that I've coached, particularly those who are on the kind of actor-actress circuit they have far bigger insecurities than the majority of us because of course their job is to look good. Yeah. They have to fit a particular role in order to get the work and their work means they are constantly getting into uh, even if they get down to the last few for a role, they're going to walk in and un- instantly be either accepted or rejected based on their appearance. So let me tell you, as someone who's coached quite a few, they have not got it all sorted out yeah. and that type of work where you are literally being judged on the way that you look and the way that you present or what your voice sounds like they have much bigger hang-ups than the majority of us a lot of the time so let's not put them on pedestals let's think bloody hell that takes courage that takes skin than a rhino's hide and a lot of them haven't got skin that thick
0: yeah i think that's a a good point on to uh, an early end I can't believe, I've just looked at the time and I've seen that we've, we've been going for more than an hour. It's, it's unbelievable. I'm hoping <laughs> I'm that people have found this very useful because I feel like I've just been chatting to a mate, to be honest. So, Good. Me too. so I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people uh, are going to take out what we've talked about in terms of, Um, you know the the mentality that you need to use to to, to actually progress I'm not going to use the word succeed but because succeed and success means so many different things to so many different people Uh, and how to choose a good so if somebody has watched this and thinking I need to be working with that in fact what did you say I need to get a good tazzing um (laughs) how how, what what should they do to, to to actually approach you get to know more about what you what you do
1: uh, get in touch. You can drop me a line on LinkedIn or go via my website, tazthornton.com or email me, taz at com. Um, and I will always reply. Well, sometimes if it's Facebook Messenger, my team often replies, but most of the other stuff I will, I will always read and reply. Um, and I will always, always help as best I can. I've usually got a waiting list of at least a couple of months. So get in there and start talking to me early. And again, even if it's, a case where you're not in a position to be working with me yet or you need something faster than I can deliver I will always always either point you to some resources or see if there's another way I can help or someone I can direct you to
0: okay thank you very much and then just a couple more number one I want to know which I should I meant to ask you you though how where did the pink come from because obviously (laughs) that if you're is now your brand uh so I want to I want to know where that came from
1: Well, you see, everybody thinks that was a really clever design device. However, what actually happened is I was sitting with my hairdresser one day. um, Suzanne Emery at Ethos Hair and Beauty in Peterborough i have been going to for 20 plus years. And I said, I'm bored. And she said, what do you want to do then? I went, I don't know. And she said, oh, I think we should do it pink all over. And I went, go on then. And that's literally what happened. It was a (laughs) flippant throwaway comment. And I was in a flippant throwaway mood. That's how the pink came. And now it's become so much my brand that can't get rid of it i quite like it now so um yeah the pink is here to stay but it wasn't a design it was a let's do this
0: and then the last one if there's one thing that you want to leave people with on this to inspire my listeners what would it be
1: don't look at other people and assume that it's okay for them because the grass is greener you need to accept that if the grass is greener for them Either it's because you've got the wrong tinted glasses on or it's because they've been watering the grass more. It's that simple. My grass might be greener than yours because I water it. You're not going to... Don't wait for things to fall into your lap. Don't go away and read something like The Secret and then just think that if I just ask for this, if I just ask the universe, it will land in my lap. You know, (laughs) I always say that you can't just do it all by chanting Om. The word Om is in the middle of um, momentum. You have to give it the momentum to make it happen and I'm big on law of attraction too I get it but I think that it works when we actually take action and active steps in the right direction and then the universe in inverted commas whatever you want to call it will work with you but it's not just going to fall into your lap it takes hard work it takes drive it takes determination it takes consistent effort but if it's something you love and if you genuinely care enough that makes the journey from zero to My God, I've actually got some income this month. Much easier.
0: Thank you very, very much, Taz. It's been an absolute pleasure. I am 100% sure that my listeners will find it inspiring, enjoyable, funny. um, (laughs) And I really, really appreciate this, well, hour and 10 minutes, actually, (laughs) that we've spent together.
1: No, thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been a blast.
0: My pleasure.